Deuteronomy chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. These words the Lord spoke to all your assembly at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire, the cloud, and the thick darkness with a loud voice, and he added no more. And he wrote them on two stone tablets and gave them to me. And as soon as you heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. This day we have seen God speak with man, and man still live. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, we shall die. For those who those who is there, for who is there in all flesh that has heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and has still lived? Go near and hear all that the Lord our God will say and speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you and we will hear and do it. And the Lord heard your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the words of this people which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart as this always to fear me and to keep all my commandments, that it, that it might go well with them and with their descendants forever. Go and say to them, return to your tents. But you stand here by me and I will tell you the whole commandment and the statutes and the rules that you shall teach them that they may do them in the land that I am giving them to possess. You shall be careful therefore to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you that you may live and that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. You may be seated. My prayer is this morning that the Lord will add to the reading and hearing of His Word. Anytime you're going to go on a trip, and this is the time of the year where we all typically travel at some point, if you're going to go on a trip anywhere, there is a time before the trip, sometimes the most stressful part of the trip, where you are planning and preparing to go on the trip. And so while the trip may be exciting, wherever it is you're going, whether it's for a week at the beach or you're going to the mountains or wherever it is, it may be an exciting trip, but uh, there may be a lot of fun on the trip, but that time beforehand is often tedious, it's often difficult, and depending on where you're going, it may be something that you have to be very careful in doing. When I travel internationally... I understand that there are certain things that I want from here at home or need from here at home that I can't simply get somewhere else. But if I'm going down to the beach or I'm going up to the mountains, it figures that there's probably not a Walmart too far away. And it seems like normally at the end of that time of preparation, <clears throat> Rachel and I finally come to the moment where we say, you know what, if we need it, we'll just go to Walmart. We think we've got everything, but we've, we've, we've put together, mainly her has put together things for nine people to go on a trip somewhere to stay for a week. And so we come to the ultimate conclusion that, that if we don't have it, we'll just go to Walmart and get it. But the goal in preparation is not to have to go to Walmart, it's to have what you need when you leave. 
is to have the things that you need in place, that they're in your suitcase, that they're in your car, they're, they're packed into the camper, wherever, that they are there and ready to go when you're leaving. In this time of preparation, you must gather the necessary provisions. There are provisions that are going to get you through the trip. And so as we are packing to go, let's say camping, then we're, we know that if there's no place to wash clothes, then we're going to need nine sets of clothing for however many days we are going. So five days, we're going to go for five days, that's 45 sets of clothing, right? If we're going to actually, you know, change every day and, and our children are going to shower, which is unlikely for some of them. Uh, if they're sitting next to you, you can probably tell that that's the case. But the goal is, you know, we're going to change clothes once a day and then you've got to have a few extras because, you know, stuff happens and you've got to be prepared, right? You've got to have that provisions. If we're going to be camping, we're going to need to take food, Right? Because it's, it's good to eat when you're on vacation. It's good to eat anyways, but it's, it's obviously good to eat on vacation. If you're back in the woods somewhere, you can't walk around the corner to McDonald's. Those provisions must be made. And often your trip, if you have made the proper provision, will be much smoother. It's that constant having to go to the store and get something that you forgot that begins to carve the time out of your trip. I don't know about you, but when I'm at home, I don't like going to Walmart. Much less when I'm supposed to be on vacation away from stress. Where is it more stressful than at Walmart? So if we make the proper provisions before we go, if we have the proper provisions with us, if we have gathered them together, then we can go where we are going and be more successful. As you know, over the last several sermons, we've been looking at the Ten Commandments, and we have been looking at their place as essential commands for us as we live in this strange land, as we have been freed from bondage, and as we're going into this new place. That's why God gave His commands to His people. And so here in the last verses of chapter 5, we see where God talks specifically about the provisions that have been made for His people as they are about to enter into His promised land. He's made provision for them so that when they get there, they will have the things that they need. In fact, this morning we're going to see five of them that he has put in place for them as they're about to enter this promised land so that when they arrive, they can live as he has intended for them to live. Five provisions that are given for a time in a strange land. The first of these five provisions that are given is God's word. Now, we have seen that earlier as we went through this chapter. He has given them the, the foundational portion of His Word in the Ten Commandments. And they're what we have looked at over these last three weeks. But He reiterates that beginning in verse 22. He says, These words the Lord spoke to all your assembly at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire, the cloud, and the thick darkness, with a loud voice, and He added no more. And He wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. As they were going to journey into this land where they were going to encounter all of these strange beliefs and these odd gods, if you will, these, these, these just strange things that were going to be around them that they had not encountered before, these beliefs that were very contrary to their own, the foundational provision that God gives them for this land 
is His Word. So they didn't, they didn't go to the Jordan River and begin to cross over and begin to encounter these people not knowing what it is that they were supposed to believe and how it is they were supposed to act. God, God starts this journey. As a matter of fact, you, you understand if you're reading through the Bible, this is, the, this is not the first time that the Ten Commandments have been given. This is a reiteration of them. This is a reminder of what God has already done. What's being described here has already happened in the book of Exodus and Moses is repeating it for the people because it was so important that as they entered into this promised land, this land that was very strange and very different from their own, that they had a foundation of God's Word. And so here he reminds them that God has both spoken out of, uh, from the mountain, out of the, the smoke, out of the fire. God has spoken to them and then he took what he told them and he wrote it down on these two stone tablets. So the, the Ten Commandments were given not just through Moses. The rest of the law will be given that way through Moses. But the Ten Commandments here are given directly by God for his people so that they will know his expectations of them. And so they couldn't come back and say, well, really that's not what God intended. That, that was what Moses said. You know, this happens to preachers all the time. I don't know if you realize this or not, but, but every now and then the preacher will say, read a verse that makes you uncomfortable. And you'll say, well, that preacher, I just read it. I mean, I didn't write it. It's, I, didn't, I didn't come up with it. Like, you wouldn't like my Bible. Because you, you just wouldn't enjoy your expectations, the expectations I would have of you if, if I was God. Like, you would have a lot of fun. Like, everybody that, like, cursed me, they would curse me and die right then. So you'd all probably just be dead. I'm not giving you my son. I'm not giving you forgiveness. You're not getting any of that. I'm just going to kill you all. So you don't want me to be God. That's why I don't read my Bible because I've not written one, but I, I read God's, and, and here it is, and I, I read it for you, and sometimes you, you hear things read, and they make you uncomfortable. And that's your problem, not the preacher's. This is the thing that Moses has presented to them. It's a reminder. This, this word that God has given you is His provision. It is His grace. It is His mercy, and He has spoken it to you directly. He has spoken it to you out of the smoke and out of the fire, and then He has written it down for you so that you will know what it is that He has said. We need to realize that in, in our time, as we are going through our own strange land, as we are dealing with our own problems, as we are dealing with the sin that is rampant in our culture, as we're dealing with the fact that we are just sojourners here, we are just going through this life, but this is not our home. As we deal with all of that, we must do so realizing that the greatest provision that God has given us for this journey is His Word. His Word is our guide as we go through our life. It is our portion. It is what we need. It is that thing that gives us all of our direction. We need to embrace that reality that this is the great provision that God has granted to us. But so often what we do is we neglect God's Word. We don't read it. 
We don't know what it says. We say that it says things that it doesn't say. I always found that one interesting. We have enough trouble memorizing and, and thinking through and understanding what the Bible says, but sometimes we'll just make up stuff. Oh, yeah, the Bible says you should be happy and healthy and rich. And it's like, wait, what? No, I missed that one. Like, where's that one? At? Well, that's just what the Bible says. We need to understand this great provision that God has given us in his word. In fact, they go on. If you skip a few verses to verse 27, the people have a hunger to hear it. They say, go near and hear all that the Lord our God will say and speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you, talking to Moses there, and we will hear it and do it. So when they make the transition from God speaking to them directly to God speaking to them through Moses, they have a hunger for it. They, they tell Moses, Moses, your job is to go to God and hear what he has to say. Let him speak to you and then Moses come back and share it with us because we need it. We need to hear it. That should be our expectation when we come to the word of God. That, that we're going to hear Him speak to us. That He's going to speak freshly into our life. That no matter how many times we've read a passage, when we come back to it and we read it again, something new comes to us because God continues to speak. We understand, and it is true to say, that God has spoken because we don't add to this book, but we realize that this book that God has given us continues to speak. It's not for a generation ago. It's not for 50 generations ago. This word continues to speak to us today. And it is as relevant today as the day it was written. And it is true today as the day it was written. It has not changed. We may have changed. We may have decided differently. We may have decided to go in a different direction. But God's word has not changed. Friends, if you want to survive in the culture that we live in, it is not possible to do so as a Christian without understanding the provision of God's Word. You can read all the self-help books. You can read all the Christian books you want. But it's God's Word that He has given us specifically as provision for our life. Those times when you read it and you go, man, that... That's right on. I, I, I like that. I like that's good. That's good stuff. I, I like that. That's God encouraging you. And there's times where you read that and go, man, I want to skip this verse because this one hurts. Man, he's talking about me here. He's talking about something I've done. He's talking about something I'm doing. That's God's correction. You know, we, we so often, it's so sad that people in our culture who, who claim to be spiritual are always looking for and listening for a word from God. I need some direction from God. I don't know what to do. God's, God's not speaking to me. Friends, until you have done everything that God has commanded you to do in His Word, you don't need anything else. And if at some point in your life you can check off everything that God has told you to do in His Word, you can bring me that, that check sheet that shows everything. I'll, I'll pray with you that God would speak to you freshly. I'll also be praying that He would cause you to repent of your lies. Because that's what you've done with the sheet that you've made where you think you've done everything. Because we've not. We struggle 
We struggle to obey just one simple portion of God's Word. And yet, God, speak to me. God, give me direction. No, He's done that. He's given us direction. He's told us how we should live. He's told us how we should relate to others. He's told us what is right and what is wrong. He has told us what is truth and what is error. He has told us those things. And He's done that as provision. Because we know how now to live in a strange land. God's Word is provision for the journey that we are on. Second thing, second provision. First is His Word. The second, beginning in verse 23, we see His presence. The presence of God is provision in a strange land. The presence of God. He says in verse 23, as soon as you heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and elders, and you said, behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness. We have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. This day we have seen God speak with man and man still live. That to them may have been the most impressive part. That God had, had so generously blessed them that he had spoken to them and they hadn't died. Because their understanding of God, and God goes on to affirm that it's a correct understanding of God, is that if you hear the voice of God in your sinful state, it is so holy and righteous and perfect that death is the only thing that can happen to you. You simply can't stand in the presence of God's Word. So God has, has granted them this great mercy in allowing them to live. And what it affirmed for them was that God was with them. It affirms for them. They've, they've heard the Word of God, and so now they are convinced God is with us. They have seen it with their own eyes. They have seen this mountain that is burning. They have seen the smoke. They have seen the holiness of God. And now they have become convinced God is with us. And so for them, it is adequate, it is more than adequate, that God's presence is with them. It's going to be a provision for them as they go forward. While they do fail, we understand that from their history, they can see that, that God is going to be with them. He's going to go out in front of them. He's going to fight their battles for them. His presence is with them. They understand that they have been called by Him and chosen by Him, and they have got to experience His presence. Do you realize that while we may look out at what is happening in our world and wonder where's everything going God is still present with us now we we may say well you know we've not got to witness anything like this you know if we only got to witness this if we got to witness these things happen, surely we would really have a, a deeper faith in God. If, if God would, would just come this morning into this place and speak with a loud voice so that we could hear Him, we would certainly draw near to Him. Now, first of all, remember, if He does that, you might die. 
That's what they just said. That may be the result. He may show up, and when his voice is heard, you die. So you can want that to further your faith, but just understand that could be your last day. Or we could look at this and understand that God has proven himself to us in far superior ways than he ever did to them. Because they saw him. They saw his presence on this mountain. They saw the smoke. They saw the thick clouds. They heard his voice. And yet they fail him often. You don't have to go many more pages and you're going to find their failures. So, so I don't think we can look at that and say, well, this is adequate for us. If we just had this, we would, we would get in line and we would shape up. The Bible tells us that God has proven himself far more than this because he has not only given us a, a visual sign in Christ, but he has taken his presence through his spirit and placed his presence in our heart. His presence does no longer have to be seen up on a mountain with, with smoke and fire and a loud voice, but rather His presence, we're told by the Scriptures, dwells in our heart in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as we look at everything going on in the world, we see these tragedies, we see these acts of terrorism, we see these horrific things happening and we just our minds are just so confused. Why, why would this happen? Why would God allow this to happen? Where is God? We, we need to understand that, that God, His presence dwells here. And so we, we, we're out here looking for God and where was God in this and where was God in that? And, and God's saying, no, I'm, I'm here in, in your heart. I've chosen you as my children to be the light in this world. I've chosen you as my followers to be the ones who I send and combat the darkness. We're out here afraid. We're out here afraid. What if, what if something happens to us? What if, what if something terrible happens to us? What if, what if something terrible happens to our community or our country? We're, we're concerned about that. We're worried about that. And we wonder where God is and we forget that God has given us the provision of His Spirit dwelling in our heart. But for so many people, they don't think that's adequate. I think it's a, a poor understanding of the Spirit. It's a poor understanding of salvation when people want more. God, if you, if you would only give me a, a miracle, God, if you would perform a miracle in my midst, I would believe in you. And yet... We read in the Gospel of John where he did all these miracles and the people's belief was shallow and fake. God, if I could only see you, if I could see you, again, we have people here who saw the presence of God. We have people who stood face to face with Jesus and what did they do? Did they all accept him? No. Many rejected him. In fact, they rejected him to the point where they put him to death. Friends, those things are never enough if we think they are, again, we have a wrong understanding of God's provision in this because the greatest provision He could give us, even more of a provision than He gives them here in the book of Exodus, is that He sent His Son to die for us, and through Christ's death, His Spirit dwells in our heart. It doesn't get any better than that. And so the next time you're confronted with the things that are happening in the world, Remember where the presence of God dwells. I picked up my phone 
wherever I've set it down at, like I do every, every morning, pick it up to see if I've, I've missed any calls or texts through the night. And it seems like every day now, when it comes up with a news alert, there's been something terrible happened somewhere. The last several days, a police officer shot here, a police officer shot there. This morning, there was a, a shooting. I don't even remember where it was at. A person dead, several shot, and a suspect on the loose. I mean, it's, it's like they don't even have to type it again. They just go and, and get the news alert from the morning before and just resend it. Yesterday, people out having a good time on a hot air balloon in Texas. A hot air balloon crashes, 16 people on it. They all die. And when you look at that, when you see, I mean, I, I thought, what a, you know, that's a fun thing to do. It's, it's uh, I mean, I've never done it. I'm afraid of heights. It's not going to happen. But, but some people think it's a fun thing to do just like that. And none of those people got up yesterday morning thinking that that would be the last day of their life. And so we look at that, and, and the world will look at that and say, see, there is no God. See, there is, there, they don't realize we live in a fallen world and how much grace God shows us even in a fallen world. And the ultimate sign of that is that he gives us his presence in our hearts. Friends, you don't need to go have some experience with God. You don't need to go out and find God somewhere. You don't need to go see a beautiful sunset and say, there is God. God has told you that if you are his follower, if you are his child, his presence is in your heart. That's where he dwells. And you need not look anywhere else. And what great provision that is because when the world crashes down around us, everything in chaos, he is right here. We don't have to sort through the chaos to find him. We don't have to go through the rubble of our life to find him. He's right here. He dwells within us. And that is his great provision. Third, we have the provision of his word and the provision of his presence Thirdly, we have the provision of God's ear or the provision of God's listening. Verse 28. And the Lord heard your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I've heard the words of this people which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. That's a pretty rare term to hear in the Bible. God's saying... The people were right. I mean, I've not done a word study to see how many times that's there, but I would estimate few. Now, God's saying you're wrong, that's in there a lot. Because that balances out, right? We're normally wrong, and every now and then we just happen to, by His grace, hit the nail on the head. But God's, they come to God and they say, you know... God, we understand that if, if we hear you, we're going to die. And somehow that didn't happen this time. We're grateful for that. But we don't want to try that a second time. Because the odds are not in our favor. We would rather, Moses, you go and talk to God. 
and then bring us what he has to say so that we can live. Because it doesn't really do any good to get all these commands from God and try to obey them, you know, if you're dead. Because you can't get them and you can't obey them. And so they want Moses to go. And so God comes and talking to Moses and God says, you know, I've heard what they have to say. I've heard their comments. I've heard their pleas and they are right. I've heard the words of the people which they have spoken and they are right. And so after that, they make the transition and Moses goes before God and, and receives the law for him. But the key aspect of that is they came to Moses. Moses was their intermediary between them and God. They come to Moses with the pleas of their heart. They come to Moses with this proposal. They come to Moses with this idea of, hey, let's put you in charge of listening to God for us and bringing us the results of what happened. And God says, I have heard you. So God gives us his word and he gives us his presence. And when we are in this strange land that we find ourselves, when we're journeying through this life in a place that we don't belong, we cry out to him and he hears us. He hears us. He hears us when we are praying out loud. He hears us when our heart is praying. He hears us when we don't even think we're talking to him. God hears us. And that's one of his great provisions. There's a lot of people in the world that think that there's somebody, a God, a a higher power, higher order or something that that made the world and, and set everything into motion and sent everything going about its way. And that... You know, basically when we have problems, it's kind of design flaws and and they'll work themselves out in the end. Most people in our world serve gods that do not listen to them. You go to these places that have homes full of idols and they have idols that, that do not speak and cannot listen. We see that played out in the life of Elijah as he is going in this contest with the prophets of the ball and they are, they are going back and forth and these prophets are crying out and they're slashing themselves and, and Elijah begins to kind of poke fun at them. Well, surely your God is real. Surely he's going to listen to you. You're not doing it right. But the reality is they were serving a God who cannot listen because he is not real. He cannot hear them. He cannot respond. And what's sad is that there are 7 billion plus people in our world And the majority of them today will cry out to some God. They'll utter some prayer. They'll lift up some praise. But they do so, the majority of them, the vast majority of them, they do so to a name and to a God that is not listening to them. They do so to a God that cannot hear them. And he certainly will not respond. But our God is a God who hears us when we pray. Our God is a God who hears us when we are in trouble. And the good news is that he has responded. Here we have a a record of God responding to his people. He responds to them in their time of need. He responds to them and gives them direction for the journey ahead. God is listening to them and the concerns that they have. That's the good news that we have when it comes to our relationship with God is that He is always listening to us. 
And you say, that might not be good news, preacher. You're, you're right. <laughs> it's not always good news for us that he's listening. Sometimes we're not saying the things we should be. We're not doing the things we should be doing, and he's still paying attention. But in those moments of heartache and despair, in those moments of trouble, in those moments where our hearts are right and we're wanting to give him praise and honor and glory for who he is, he is listening. He was listening as you sang this morning. He's listening as you woke up this morning, knowing what you're going to do, seeing where you were going to go. He's listening in those conversations you have with the people around you. He's listening. Often we think of God listening in our time of need. You know, if we have a time set aside where we will go and pray to Him, that is the time when God is listening. As if it kind of, the mute button is hit, and we come in to the place we're going to pray, and okay, we unmute our life, and we pray to God, and it's very structured, and it sounds very holy, and some, you know, we use big fancy words, and if you're a guy, your voice gets really deep, and, you know, you're, you're just uttering these big prayers to God. And then when you get done, you hit the mute button again and go on about your life. And so God really focuses in on, you know, that 35 seconds that you gave him, that really in-depth, genuine 35-second prayer. That's not how it works. Now, thank goodness that's not how it works. I debated a professor one time who did not believe that God could see past the present. And so I asked him, I said, if I'm driving down the road and uh, the tire blows out of my car and I begin to swerve toward a tree, you know, that kind of caught God by surprise, right? Because uh, he didn't know that was going to happen. And so now, you know, does God have enough time to intervene? You know, what if I didn't pray? How sad is that to think that that's how you live your life? That every moment that's a surprise to you is a surprise to God. I think those people lead a very sad existence. But we need to realize that God is listening at every moment, that He knows. He knows ahead of us, He knows what lies ahead. And we have His ear because we're His children. See, in most of these religions, your follow, the followers of these gods are, are just that they're just followers. You know, they're just followers. You know, we, we say that, right? That we're Christ followers. We follow Christ. But, but we should really be honest. We're, the Bible says we're Christ's brother or sister. The, the Bible says that we are the son or daughter of God. And so we don't have his ear like a follower. But we've got his ear like one of his children. We've got his ear like his sibling when it comes to Christ. We need to understand what a great provision that is. That God listens to us. We often take that for granted. We often don't live our life as if he is listening. But God does have our ear. I mean, we do have God's ear. He does hear us when we pray. He hears us when we speak. He hears us when we are in trouble. That's the third provision. God's word, God's presence, and then God's ear. Fourthly, in the provisions that God gives, he gives them a leader Fourth provision, verses 30 through 31, God's leader. Look what he says. 
Go say to them, return to your tents. He's talking to Moses. So he tells Moses, go tell the people to go back to their tents. They'd all gathered in hearing, but they were afraid. And so Moses tells them to go back to their tents. But you, talking to Moses, stand here by me and I will tell you the whole commandment and the statutes and the rules that you shall teach them and they may do them in the land that I am giving them to possess. He gives them a leader. And this leader is for their provision. Because they were afraid. They were afraid of hearing God speak again. They were afraid and in their fear they needed someone who would stand there in between them and God. And would speak His word to them very clearly. They need a leader to do that. And so Moses stands in that gap. And he stands in a very unique way in that gap. And no one since Moses has stood there in that same way. And what we've seen in God's pattern throughout the Bible is God at at different points raises up different types of leaders to do different tasks. And so Moses serves in this time. And then Joshua will serve after that. And then a series of judges will serve after that in the book of Judges. And then after that, when we go from there, Samuel will be raised up as a prophet and he will anoint kings who will lead God's people. And from there, in the time of the kings, you have prophets that are raised up and they serve a particular purpose. And their purpose is to uh, share with the people what God has said. And he raises up priests and their, their task is to go back to the people or go back to God for the people. And they carry out the sacrifices and they do that. And so we come to the New Testament. We have the apostles are put in place by Jesus to found his church and to lead his church. And then once those apostles pass away, there are no more apostles. I know you can drive down the road and see signs that say that somebody is apostle such and such, and they're not. To be an apostle now, you would need to be approximately 2,000 years old. And while some of these people look old, they're not quite that old. There are no more apostles. That's not a position. And then past that for his church, after the apostles have faded out, God appoints elders or pastors and deacons to lead in his churches. Well, why has he done that? Why why do we need that? Wouldn't it be better just to have leaderless churches? Many churches have that. It doesn't work out so well for them. Why? Because God has put leaders among all of our churches to help the people to understand the Word of God. And that has always been the case with the leaders that God has appointed. Moses is appointed leader over God's people so that he can receive the Word from God and give it to the people. And throughout the history of God's dealing with humanity, He has raised up leaders for that purpose. To make sure that the people of God heard the Word of God. Now, the good news for us is that about 500 years ago, matter of fact, 499 years ago, when the Protestant Reformation happened and people began breaking away from the Catholic Church, we began to understand better what the Bible taught when it came to people's understanding and responsibility with the Word of God. Unfortunately, many churches are trying to go back without becoming Catholic, going back to that. Because what the Catholic Church would often do is they kept the Bible away from the people. They kept the Word of God away from the people. 
They did this many ways. One, the only people that spoke in the church, the only people that ever taught were obviously the priests. They kept the Word of God in Latin so that the common people of the day could not read it and understand it. Matter of fact, you would go into a whole service and sit there, and the whole service was in Latin. And you didn't know Latin. So imagine for a moment if I was fluent in, let's say, Russian. If I say Spanish, some of you are going to get a word every now and then just because Spanish is around us so much. But let's say Russian. And so I just did the whole service in Russian. How much would y'all get out of that? I can't imagine a lot. Maybe one of you is fluent in Russian, and I just didn't know that. And that's interesting, and we could use that for missions. But I suspect that that's not the case. We don't want to keep the Word of God from people. And so when the Reformation happened 500 years ago, the the Bible was brought back to people. That's why today, when you sit there in your pew, do you have the Bible in Greek or Hebrew? No, because no one in this room is fluent in Greek or Hebrew. I include myself on that. Far, far, far from it. Why do we not have the Bible in Latin? It wouldn't do you any good, would it? I don't think any of you are fluent in Latin. Maybe. Is anybody fluent in Latin anymore? You have the Bible in your language. Why? Because you need to read it. You need to be responsible for it. You will be responsible for it on the day that you stand before God. You'll be responsible for what you learn from God's Word. But as your pastor, it's my responsibility to stand here week in and week out and share with you what God has said in His Word. Not to tell you pithy stories. Not to give you 17 steps on how to have a better life. Not to give you 8 steps on improving your finances. Not to make up my own stories or make up my own sermons so that, so that you can feel better when you leave. But my job and the job of any leader in a church is to share with people what God has said in His Word. Not to invent it, Not to make it up, but to share it with you. Sometimes people appreciate that. Sometimes they don't. But God has given us the leader, all of us, because there are leaders in my life who do the same thing. They preach God's word into my life because I need that. I can't simply be the one who is preaching, but I must be preached to. And while, again, we may take that for granted or may not appreciate it from time to time, we need to understand that God has given us leaders in our church. Like He gave Moses to the people, He has given us leaders so that we can be led and follow God more effectively. It's a principle that we find. Moses comes under that problem later because he does not have leaders under him to help lead the people. And he's trying to shepherd thousands upon tens of thousands upon hundreds of thousands of people by himself and it doesn't work so he had to delegate it out why because god had given leaders to lead the people that's the fourth provision so god's word god's presence god's ear and god's leader and then fifthly we see picking up in verse 32 We see God's warning as provision for his people. 
He says, you shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left. You shall walk in all the way that the Lord God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land you shall possess. So he's given them these provisions, and then he gives them this warning. We've heard it. So many times, we, we've only covered about two chapters of the book of Deuteronomy, and we have heard that warning over and over again. Why is it so important? Because if they neglect this warning, when they go into the place, or at least attempt to go into the place that God has sent them to go, they will never do what God has called them to do. They will never be able to be the people God has called them to be if they refuse to obey what God has called them to obey. You notice he, he doesn't say do part of it. You shall walk in all the way the Lord your God has commanded you. It was a total command. They were to obey it completely. When it came to the Ten Commandments, they were to look at all ten and strive to follow all ten. They couldn't be a Nine Commandment people or an Eight Commandment people. They had to be a Ten Commandment people. They had to do it all. And they could not come to the end with God and stand before God and say, you know, God, I really didn't know we were supposed to do this. God could unroll the Torah scroll and say, what about here and here and here and here, where I said do it all and here, where I said follow all the commands and here, where I said follow all the statutes and here, where I gave you the provision to do that. What, which part did you miss? Friends, we live in a no-commandment society. I'm not just talking about the people that, that think the Ten Commandments should or should not be on the, the courthouse square, on the wall of a courthouse. That is all completely irrelevant. Completely irrelevant. Our society has adopted a zero-commandment policy of living. A zero-commandment plan. And so too often Christians think, well, if I hit like five, I'm better than those guys. If, you know, the covet part, I'll leave that out. And bearing false witness, you know, I just can't keep from lying. So I'm, but I'm an eight commandment guy. I'm a seven commandment guy. Isn't that how most Christians live? Well, I, I do pretty good on some of these, so I'm, I'm pretty satisfied. Well, those, I, I try. Friends, he has given us this warning that his expectation is that we would follow everything that he has commanded. His expectation is that we would follow him fully. All the time, not part of the time. That we would listen to him in everything that we do, not just some of the stuff. That we wouldn't try to compare ourselves with the culture. We know our culture is messed up. 
We know our culture is destined for an eternity separated from God. We understand that. But our goal as Christians is not to just be a little bit better. We we don't steal big stuff. We just commit a little adultery or a little murder. Not as much as, look at them. Look at those people in Hollywood. Look at those celebrities. They're so terrible. Look at that. We We just do a little bit. We just dabble. Friends, he's given us this warning as our provision. See, we don't like it. If God hadn't given us any warnings, then we would, we would have an excuse and we could haggle with Him on Judgment Day and see if we could skirt around the rules. But no, He had to go and give us this warning and now we're culpable. Now we're responsible. He says, You shall walk in all the way the Lord your God has commanded you. Why? So that you may live, so that it may go well with you, and so that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. Their obedience was going to define their success in the strange land. And while, friends, we are fortunate in that God's grace does not mean that we have to be perfect to be received by Him, far from it. But once we have made a covenant agreement with God, once we have entered into a relationship with Him, once we have repented of our sin and believed the gospel, we just don't go and do whatever we want. I see often people post on social media, and if you did this, I'm not talking about you specifically, because I don't remember who I'm talking about. So it could be you, but not specifically. You see how that works. But people post on social media sometimes that that only God, only God can know someone's heart. And when I first see that, okay. But then I get to thinking, you know, the Bible says something to the effect of, by your fruit, by their fruit you shall know them. Hmm. So does that mean that, like you can tell whether or not someone has a relationship with Christ by how they live. By their fruits you shall. Seems like it. I'm not saying like definitively like I can say, oh, you're going to heaven, you're going to hell, 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 heaven, heaven. You know, I'm not saying that sort of thing. But friends, we've got to get it out of our mind that the way we live doesn't matter. We have got to get it out of our mind that because we have been saved by the grace of God, the way we live doesn't matter. Because, friends, it matters completely. Because we've been called into this strange land for a purpose. It's not to hang out. It's not to get together and sing kumbaya. It's to be salt and light in a fallen world. And when we are not concerned about how we live, because we believe we are under the grace of God, we've been fooled by Satan himself into believing that we have a relationship with God that we do not have. If you have no concern for the way you live, 
you do not have a relationship with Christ. Because when His presence, the Spirit, is dwelling in your heart, you can't continue on in your sin. You can't continue on in your disobedience to God and be okay with that. I'm not saying you don't mess up. I mess up. I sin. We need to stop calling it messing up. I sin in rebellion against God. But God will tear the heart out of my chest every time it happens. Friends, if you continue on in your sin, you've been warned that that's not the way you should live. If you continue on without caring, maybe, maybe the problem is in your heart to start with. Maybe you've bought into this cheap religion that has been sold for so many decades in our culture that you can walk an aisle and go through some water and then live however you want. I remember growing up, they would talk about those, those teenage guys especially who would go out on Saturday night and they would live it up and do whatever they, they want and then drag themselves into church on Sunday. Those guys thought they were all right, but you know what I've seen happen long term? Those very guys who did that are now the very guys today who show no relationship with Christ. Well, guess what? They never had one. They are faking it. They were doing whatever they wanted and then trying to come on Sunday and get cleaned up. Listen, you can do that over at the Catholic Church because the priest can forgive you of your sins. But I can't. And if I could, I wouldn't anyways. Y'all would be out of luck if I was your priest. Because the Bible talks about repentance. Not to me, but to him. And friends, that's what it takes. And so God gives us this provision, a warning provision. It's a great provision. We are called to live a certain way five provisions we find here in this text five provisions given to us for our time in a strange land so what must we do with those provisions he tells us as we finish in verse 29 here you see the heart of god poured out on the page he says oh that they had such a heart as this always to fear me and to keep all my commandments that it might go well with them and with their descendants forever. He says, oh, that they had such a heart. In other words, they come to him and they're broken. They say, God, we don't think we're worthy to be in your presence. But he realizes that it's not going to be long before they think that they're okay. It's not going to be long before they turn their hearts away from him. And so God says, oh, that they had a heart that was like this forever. Oh, that they had a heart that was like this always. Friends, we must have a heart that has been transformed by Christ. A heart that has been transformed by His gospel. And a heart that is transformed by God and by His gospel will be a heart that longs after Him. A heart that receives the provisions He has given us. A heart that receives them. These and so many more. And uses those provisions to live by. You know, when I go on a trip, one of the things I hate is having to buy something that I forgot. Yeah, you know, I talked about it at the beginning. You can just go to Walmart, but man, sometimes that is just so irksome 
to have to go and walk into Walmart and buy something that you know is sitting on the counter at your house. Because sometimes those things are like a dollar and you don't, you know, not, okay, not a big deal. But sometimes those things are very expensive. And you've forgotten it and you simply have to have it. And so you go in and it feels like such a waste of time. It feels like foolishness. It feels like a waste of money to go in and buy something. You know, it's sitting four or five hours away at home. But I got to have it. Friends, God has given us every provision we need for this life. But even as Christians, we keep going back and trying to buy something else. We keep going back and trying to get something else. He's given us His Word, but we, we, we go out and we want to listen to the world and try to see, okay, what, what does the world have to offer? Maybe the world has something that, that's a little better than the Bible. We... We've got God's presence, but we're like, man, if we just had this miracle or something. You know, God's, God's listening to us, but we're crying out to everybody else. We're going to our neighbor and saying, neighbor, I, I, man, I need you to listen to me. And go to your mama, you know, mama, mama, I need this. And it's like, God's right there and he's listening. God gives us godly leaders and we're looking for something else. We're putting our hopes somewhere else. There's people in churches that that listen much more to the preachers on the radio than the preachers at their church. He ain't coming. He ain't coming to help you. He doesn't really care what happens in your life. He doesn't care if you succeed or not. I mean, he does in that abstract way, but, but his heart's never been broken for you. He's never been broken when, when life has treated you unfairly when, when your life has been turned upside down. We, we've got God's warning, and He's warning us constantly about our sin. He's warning us about our disobedience, and we are ignoring the warning. But now, if the television warns us about something because we're being politically incorrect or we're not listening or we're not being compassionate, now we're burned up about that. Oh, we got to do something. we got to Put it on Facebook, but God says, hey, you're not listening to me. Ah, it's just God. Not a big deal. We'll deal with him when we get to eternity. But you know, our friends now are putting pressure on us. You see how absurd that is? But that's what we do. God says, I am enough. You have all you need. You don't need to go back to the store. You don't need to go back to Walmart and spend your money. I've given you what you need. He says, take my provision and live sustained by it. Friends, this morning, we need to recommit ourselves to living off of what God has given us. To being sustained by Him, by His Word, by the provisions He has given. It's enough. It's always been enough. But He's calling upon us to return to it. To pick it up, to pick up those provisions. And then to go through the life that he has sent us into, trusting in what he has given us. We bow your heads with me as we pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And God, most of all, we thank you this morning for your provision. God, we thank you that it's enough. God, we thank you 
for your word, the provision of your word, the provision of your presence. God, we thank you for the provision of you listening to us, the provision of our leaders, and God, the provision, God, of warning us of our sin, warning us of our disobedience. God, I pray that every person here, God, whether they rely deeply on your provisions or whether they don't rely on your provision at all, God, would would pick up these provisions and, and God, see how they sustain in their life. God, I thank you for your great grace. I thank you for your mercy that is, God, just beyond our comprehension. Lord God, I pray that you would be with us during this time. God, that you would lead and guide every heart here. And that, God, we would listen to you. We would listen as you speak to our heart. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me as we sing this morning. I just want to invite you that if you're trying to live on the things of this world, whatever it is, if you're you're trying to be self-reliant or or however you're trying to get by, that, that today you would understand that God has offered you great provision in His Son Christ. And He has called us to live differently. He's called our hearts to be transformed and and to no longer continue on as we are living. He's called us to rely on Him. And so whether you need to do that for the first time because you've never followed Christ, or you've followed Him your whole life, but you realize that you're you're trusting in other things, you're relying on other things, it takes other things to get you by. Whatever it is, whether it's the first or maybe it's the thousandth time you respond. Respond to God's Word this morning. Come and trust in Him to be your provision. Follow Him. Rely on Him for all that He's offered you. We respond to God's Word this morning as we sing together.